I'm Maz. Welcome to my Biocast, the series where I talk about some of the most controversial and talked about stories in biotech. If you want to get involved with the conversation around these stories, head over to the Have You Ever Wondered channel on YouTube to find the Biocast playlist. And the story I'm going to talk about today is the cell therapy startup that's received funding to chase the holy grail of regenerative medicine. A Cambridge-based cell therapy business plans to use big data to create potentially unlimited numbers of mature cells without using stem cells. Mogrify is harnessing the concept of transdifferentiation, and they've won $16 million in Series A funding to expand their Cambridge operations. The quest for a scalable means of producing cells for therapeutic use has largely depended on the source of pluripotent cells, that is, cells which can differentiate into different types of somatic cells. Embryonic stem cells presented the most viable option for this type of cell for decades, but were surrounded by ethical concerns. That was until 2006, when Shinya Yamanaka shook the field with his Nobel Medicine Prize-winning discovery that mature cells could be converted to a pluripotent state using a cocktail of transcription factors. These induced pluripotent stem cells, or iPSCs, have an insane amount of potential in both research and therapeutic applications. Professor David Hay from the Centre for Regenerative Medicine at Edinburgh University has been working on pluripotent stem cell research for over 10 years. He says, Successful commercialisation will allow us to develop new treatments for debilitating disease. HCSC and iPSC approaches have been used successfully to treat macular degeneration, and Parkinson's disease will be targeted this year. However, iPSCs are currently costly to produce. They can't be scaled up efficiently, and they may have instabilities arising from the induced immature state, which has led researchers to explore other methods. Enter transdifferentiation. This is when mature cells that have already been assigned to function, like lung cells or skin cells, become different kinds of cells. Usually that process involves stem cells, or unassigned cells that haven't been given genetic instructions to become a nerve cell or a bone cell or a liver cell. Transdifferentiation doesn't require that. The problem is, we have no idea what signals are being sent to these cells to, to change their type. We just don't understand how it works. This approach actually predates Yamanaka's discovery by almost 19 years, when David Settel described a master gene regulator that could convert mice fibroblasts into skeletal muscle in 1987. But for the years after, transdifferentiation research was relatively on standby, until Yamanaka's breakthrough. Although research has accelerated since then, the process is still seen as a black box, an exhaustive guess-and-check process involving hundreds of cell types, transcription factors and genes, with little room for optimization. Pierre-Louis Joffrin is the Corporate Development Executive at Mogrify. Many of the currently identified transdifferentiation protocols are inefficient, leading to the conversion of only a small subset of cells, sometimes below 1%. As a result, several transdifferentiation protocols are not reproducible. This could be due to factors such as the optimal transcription factor combination is yet to be identified, the delivery method for the transcription factors is not ideal, or the culture conditions to enhance the conversion and maintenance of the desired cell type have not been discovered. David Hay also shares some doubts on the current status of the concept. I'm not convinced with the liver transdifferentiation data I have seen to date. It does work in rodents, but for humans there are delivery and potential off-target issues. So just how does Mogrify plan to tackle the ambiguity around transdifferentiation? Pierre-Louis Joffrin explains the platform's systematic big data approach. 
Firstly, the gene expression levels of the source and target cell types are compared, using next-generation sequencing, gene regulatory and epigenetic network data to determine the change in gene expression required to achieve the conversion. Secondly, all transcription factors are ranked according to their potential effect, both direct and indirect, on the differential gene expression identified previously. Lastly, the optimal combination of transcription factors is determined by obtaining maximal coverage of the differential gene expression, a minimum of 98%, whilst avoiding overlap in effect from the different factors. In their 2016 Nature paper, the scientists behind the platform applied the tech to 174 human cell types and 134 tissues, and correctly predicted the transcription factors used in known transdifferentiations. The team also experimentally validated two new transdifferentiations predicted by the platform. Mogrify builds on a 10-year investment by its co-founders, a leadership team of high-caliber commercial and scientific minds, and an investment of $20 million to date, with hopes of tapping into the cell therapy market, which is estimated to represent a $30 billion market opportunity. They are also placed to directly access growing markets that have not been served by approved cell therapies, such as cardiac repair and cartilage regeneration, which are estimated to be worth $120 billion and $7 billion by 2022 and 2025, respectively. And whilst Mogrify's approach to transdifferentiation sounds promising, it may be a while before we see an impact in the therapeutic area. On his opinion of the Mogrify approach, David Hay says, I think it's interesting and it will be very useful for in vitro work and animal work to prove concepts, but I do think its routine use to develop treatments in humans is a long way off. Now, having done my PhD in regenerative medicine, I followed the progression of human embryonic stem cells and induced pluripotent stem cells for around 10 years. But I've got to admit, I didn't really know much about the research into transdifferentiation. And Mogrify's approach of harnessing big data sounds like it could have some real impact in the cell therapy space. But I agree with Dave Hay that it looks like it's going to be a long time before cells from this platform can be used therapeutically in humans. And in that time, the optimization and commercialization of pluripotent stem cell sources and the differentiated somatic cells may set the benchmark in the market. Practically, I don't know if the scalability issues and cost benefits of the transdifferentiated cells will be much more significant than those of iPSCs or HSCs, but if they are, they could be a real contender for the source of cells for cell therapies. It's a super exciting development with a lot of potential, and I'll definitely be keeping an eye on Mogrify. So, what do you think? Are you excited about the potential of this tech and the impact it could have on cell therapies? Or is there just too much of a developmental lag between this method and the pluripotent stem cells that have already made it to clinical trials? Also, with the use of big data fundamentally transforming the landscape of this research, what other areas could we use this type of tech in? So that's the end of the story, which means you've made it to the end of this episode of The Biocast. If you want to know more about The Biocast or get involved with the series, get in touch via the Have You Ever Wondered YouTube channel or my other socials at HYEU Science. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on my next Biocast.